Hello and welcome to Last Sons of Krypton. I am Connor from the House of L. And I am Ray from the House of Zod. And in my delirium, I forgot to add a Superman podcast at the end of our podcast title. Could be anything. Yeah, I just I just woke up from the Black Mercy, so I'm a bit disoriented. Uh, yeah. Ugly bit of Black Mercy, that. Yeah, no, I'm pretty sick of that thing. Uh, yeah. Well, welcome, Connor. Um, it's good to be back in the saddle. Mm-hmm. Uh, I... Two, two weeks. Is this the first... Uh, this is the first... No, just... The first episode of the new year? No? Second. Second. Right. Yeah. We did one a couple of weeks ago. We did Superman 141, the Silver Age classic, uh, which I, is related right. to this episode, actually. Yeah, I'll ask it, um, you about that. Um, just a few Not questions. as related as I remembered, but yeah. it's still related. Yeah, okay. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, we're here. And today we are, so, we're, we're up, well, we're not, we're not at the fortress yet, we just came from there, but we'll go back later, but, um, we're just chilling out in space right now, but anyway, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we're covering Superman Annual 11 today, uh, for the man who has everything, which is... Just a little issue. Yeah, quite, quite the, the well-known single issue, um... But uh, there's no there's no new releases or anything, so we can put all our attention on this issue, which feels uh feels good to be honest. And can I just say, almost like a I'm not sure if it's a quasi anniversary, happy anniversary, Connor, because um, this was the first issue of Superman you recommended to me to this read. This was yes. Was this like the first? Uh, probably wasn't the first ever Superman issue you read, but um. It'd be yeah, the first in a while, right? First in a, a few decades. Um, yeah. And even then, I think the one that I read, oh, yeah, was a, yeah. Or was it the Superman Flash issue, the um, Who's Faster? But there's probably, uh, a, yeah. right? I don't know. It was a 80s version. Um, but, you know, that was ages ago. So I consider this one the first one in the uh, the new era of comics. Yeah. Yeah, I guess it's the first, uh, first one where you, yeah, in decades, so it's probably the first time you looked at Superman in a while. Uh, yeah. Um, Which kind of speaks volumes as to, you know, you chose that for me to read <laughs> first off, you, you know? So, I mean, you, you really wanted to, to get off on the right foot and, and to get me going. Yeah. Yeah. Um, if, for, for as we were choosing, I'll put a link in the show notes if we can find it. I was on, Ray's podcast into the night before we did this, and he asked me to choose a few standalone issues. Right. Yes. So there was, um, like, I think it was what my favorite ever standalone issues, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. So there was this. There was Action Comic Zero by Grant Morrison, and then there was um, Daredevil. A mm-hmm. couple of uh, was there a couple of Daredevils or just one Daredevil? Just I mean, the one Daredevil. It yeah, because DJ Chichester issue three hundred and something it was it's like a day in the life of Daredevil. Yeah, yeah, which was a lot of fun, and that's when we um, covered fully, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was, of course, the the big one. Uh, was it um, something on Earth? Was oh, it Peace Al- on Earth. That was Peace the trade. We well, yes. not trade, but story we did. Yep, yeah, I remember yeah. now. Um, yeah. yeah, there are there are. A, 
there are other Daredevil single issues I love, but I was trying to come up off the top of my head yeah. in the afternoon, like which well, ones. If that came out first, then that says something. So yeah, it, it stood out in my head. So yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah so so Superman Annual Eleven, uh, um, obviously very um, dear to you, Connor, as hmm. well. Yeah, uh, and also kickstarted my life long love of Mongol. Uh, yeah. Yes, uh, Mongol. Many people's first exposure to Mongol, and it's a it's a good exposure. He's a real it's the best one, really. If you look at it as a you know as him being a a real <laughs> yeah, but a really yeah exactly like a really evil bad guy. This yeah, is the, this is the one for sure. Yeah. Um. So we have covered a few Mongol stories. There's a couple more Mongol stories in between this issue. And where we left off, um, but the point is that they don't like each other very much at this point. <laughs> so, yeah, why does did did we cover it? Why does Mongol not like Superman at all? Well, what we covered, uh, Superman stopped War World. Yeah, and Mongol's plan for conquest, and then there's a few other stories after that where Superman presumably stops Mongol again. So. In fact, I think even the first time would be enough to tick Mongol off sufficiently. Okay. Really. He really hates him in this one. So, I mean, it comes across as real. Oh, yeah, absolute <laughs> loathing. Um, <laughs> yeah. Like he went to this meticulous planning just to screw with him, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so actually, fun facts about this. This got nominated for the Kirby Award for Best Single Issue in 1986, but it lost... Ooh, lost to, do you know? Hmm. 86. Yeah, 86, uh, there was a lot of good comics in 86. God. Uh, was it DC or Marvel? Marvel. You, Marvel. Yeah. Could be a Spider-Man issue, yeah? No, Some it lost to Daredevil 227, which is the first issue of Born Again. Um, oh, wow. Really? Yeah, which is funny because that's, um... Yeah. That's one of my favourite Daredevil stories. It's obviously a classic, Born Again. That's a great opener. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think I think this is a better single issue though, but that that's still a very good issue as well. That Daredevil to twenty seven. Kind of reminds me of when I saw that um, Immortal Iron Fist lost. They got nominated for the Eisner Award, I think, and they lost. And I'm like, what the hell could they lose to? And then I saw it was All Star Superman, and I'm like, oh, okay, oh, that makes right. sense. <laughs> <laughs> so you know a lot of good books in 1986 yeah uh, i mean it certainly is a wow it runs the gamut of emotions in this uh mm. really does pack a lot in but yeah as as a one and done it's it's pretty good so um pretty hard to beat i mean actually it's quite interesting that a uh, like a first parter to a series can kind of uh, nab it as as the winner um you know generally they're hard. You'd think they'd be harder to, to to win those sorts of awards because you know they're generally set up issues and yeah, they're they're not as full and rounded as like a one a one shot. Yeah, I yeah, it's interesting. Um, I guess it, it kind of because that Frank Miller wasn't on Daredevil ongoing at that point, so. Mm-hmm. But um, I mean that that first issue of Born Again is probably. If I was nitpicking single issues, it's probably the best one because it has like mm-hmm. 
you know, Kingpin blowing up his apartment at the yeah. end and stuff and the big setup and you're like, oh, I can't wait for what happens next, you know? But, um, I mean, yeah. yeah, I don't think it should have won, but, uh, because I think Born Again's better as a whole. Mm. Those mm. four issues, you know? Um, yeah. But, I mean, I don't care, really. I just think it's interesting. Oh, I mean, any nominations, I think, I, I guess... Are, oh, are absolutely, yeah. Tier, regardless of winning or not, so, yeah. Yeah, and, like, the stuff that's... There's so much Swamp Thing winning, uh, yeah. Alan Moore Swamp Thing, like... What? Kirby Awards only seem to have ran for three years. Hmm. Oh. That's weird. I'm sure if we had, a. Uh, some people on the podcast they'd be able to provide background to these awards and stuff, but maybe it's just us. They could have changed it to the Bendis Awards now. <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> In a modern modern uh, legend, shittiest new character um, oh. winner <laughs> Brian Michael Bendis. <laughs> yeah. Clean sweep now. Nah. Yeah, uh, <laughs> sweeps the awards. We, every year. we joke, don't we, Connor? I'm saying this now because I had a bit of a rant to you a bit earlier on in the week. Yeah deny about uh people trashing writers and admittedly look we we have a little dig at and brian michael bendis but we you know acknowledge his is you know good stories we don't dig at him for the sake of digging with him yeah of digging at him in fact there's been a lot of positive bendis talk on this podcast because yeah yeah and we don't run him into the ground like with insults and stuff you know just to, to disparage him um but we do like a bit of a, a rib tickle here and there. Come on, like if you're a comic book reader, you kind of know where <laughs> this Bendis isms are coming from. Um, yeah, he's not... much more obvious than other writers when it yes. comes to his he is. quirks. <laughs> exactly. Well, that's testament to him as well, like his style. Um, but uh, yeah, you know. I mean, you could choose. He's famous for it, or he's infamous for it. I guess you could pick it which one you want, but. Mm. Mm. Um, is to draw the fine line. I think the, the the finer issues of Bendis that we have seen, like in his run in Superman, have been the ones where he's obviously tempered, you know, his, his Bendis systems. Yes, his inclination yeah. to be Bendis. Um, and and you know, I'm just saying that pretty much we all know what we're talking about. The dialogue, you know, yeah, the quippy. Once Absolutely. That, yeah. yeah. Once he starts losing that voice, uh, then that's when everyone kind of jumps on board. And has a little dig at him, but um, no, he's he, he comes up with good stories, good ideas. He definitely has no problem with pacing. He can actually write a good story. It's um a lot of it's um, you know dialogue. Uh, actually, having said that, Connor, you're probably <laughs> you're probably biting your tongue. A lot of that also is a uh, um what do you call it a, a uh, intended ignorance of of the history of the character. Ah, uh, yeah, he loves doing that. Well, he also just has a habit of dropping. Plot threads when he, you know, like, let's... Yeah, yeah. The infamous um, Rogel Zard debacle. Yeah. Which got shoved in our faces for a million years and then just abruptly dropped with no explanation of anything. Yeah, true, true. There's, yeah. Any, anyway. <laughs> oh, yeah. Kirby Awards. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll talk about Bendis when we actually have an issue of his talk about. Let's go back to this. So, yeah. um, yeah. Uh, in terms of Superman news, there isn't anything at the... The Superman and Lois TV show got confirmed for a series, Ooh. which I thought was already yeah, I thought so too. A thing, but it must have been just a pilot that they ordered. But um, oh, okay, so full season, a full season. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I've I've already expressed my thoughts on it. I don't think it'll be good. I don't like Superman, but I'll try out the pilot, but I probably won't like it. So, Why not? 
and just for listeners as well, that's sometimes that's what networks do. Um, they green light the pilot and maybe a couple of episodes, so you don't have the full season, and they kind of test the water, see how it is. Uh, if, and if they feel that it warrants a whole season, then they'll green light, it, green light it later on as a full season. So that seems to be what's happened here. But what what do you think kind of urged them to go, yep, do you think it's from uh, Crisis on Infinite Earth? Maybe um, the reception of that. I don't know. Like all their all their shows do really well, so I'm sure they're certain that this one will do well as well. And people who like those shows already all seem to like mm. uh, the Paolo Hochland Superman and Lois. Um, and like it, that's that is obviously their audience at this point. They're not trying to. Yeah, sure. Well, I guess Crisis did a bit, but generally, I assume they're not trying to get people in who aren't fans of yeah. the CW shows because not really. It's a genre, isn't it? I mean, we've talked about it before. It's a thing unto itself, and it's people, as you say, there are fans that love it. It's good. Good. They're family-oriented and and good, wholesome fun. Well, it's it's Um, not... I don't think it's really a genre. Like... Well, I mean, well, not a genre, you know, in the... the, um, Yeah. ...term of, of that word, but you know what I mean. It's a particular style of superhero... TV show. I'm biting my tongue so much here. <laughs> I, I still firmly believe it is. It's no way that you can compare this to a Netflix series or not. They don't. They don't target the same audience. They don't. They're not trying to tick the same boxes. Look, I mean, I'm not going to go through it again because I know we have listeners that like the show. Yeah, for sure. But I do think that they are shitty. Yeah. Like I don't. Yeah, like, but that, and that's yeah. That's it's not your style. That's fine. But no, it's not just my style, not my style, like, they are shitty. Um, I believe that they are shitty. And like, uh, it's fine if you don't think they're shitty and if you enjoy them, but my personal belief yeah. is that they are bad. Uh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah and, that's your, and that's your opinion. Like, yeah, yeah, and that's, you know, how do you measure, how do you measure shitty or good or bad? What are, what are they, the metrics for it? Well, so, we look at, we look do, at episodes we've watched where A, there's been bad writing as it just, Dialogue being bad, episode structure bad, uh, special effects directing bad, like that. Like yes, I measure it not from a. But compared to what? So if we're comparing it to uh, the CW shows and those styles of shows, then they do exactly what they wanted to. They do exactly what they intended to do. Dialogue wise, of course, yeah. There's a bit of bad writing, but you know, um, again, measured against what? Those CW shows, they seem to be. It doesn't. Quite, it doesn't have to be measured. Against a specific thing, it just has to be good or not. Yeah, but like, to be something to be to have to be good or not it has to be measured against something. You, you have to you have to have a, a you know, yardstick. You have okay, to have just something. just like a, just pick a good TV show. Like it doesn't need, it doesn't have to be The Sopranos or anything. You know, just just pick any good TV show. You know, Cobra Kai is what like Cobra Kai is a good example. It's not Shakespeare, but you know, it's just a good. Sure, like it's okay, sure, it, but yeah, sure it's silly and stuff, but like it's it's well crafted, yeah, you know, um, okay. yeah, like yeah, yeah, okay. Anyway, I, I, yeah, I mean, I'm not a a huge fan of the CW show, so I'm not like, you know, but and I respect everyone that does watch it as well. It's just that I, you know, I, it's like. Apples and oranges for me. Like, there's no way that I can, <laughs> you know. Look, this is my nice way of putting it. They're the soap operas 
yeah. of superhero shows. Okay. Like, that that's the quality I see them as. And I've seen too many soap operas, I'm afraid. Because <laughs> <laughs> all my mum watched was them. But, like, that's, yeah. that's the quality that I consider it. Um, okay. You know, and people who love them love it. So. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. No, well, that's, that's fair enough. Love what you love, hate what you hate. Yeah. Sorry, guys, who like CW. Um, you know, I mean, everyone knows what I've at this point, but, uh, yeah. So, oh, yeah, and we will be watching Crisis, uh, because, you know, we watched the first three, may as well finish it. Uh, yeah, only two more, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if I'll bother talking about it on the show. Not much, anyway. Ray's obviously free to talk about it if he wants. But yeah. um, we can, we, I can just mention it. I mean, we don't have to go in depth, but um, yeah, yeah, looking forward to just finishing off, seeing what happens. There is a problem, I think, kind of with there being that break. You do lose that momentum. Like you, you know, um, we watched those three episodes, and you know, they were fun um, to watch, and they kind of left us hanging. Then we had Christmas and New Year's, and I feel I've, I've lost a little bit of momentum with it. Um, but, you know, keen to to watch the last two anyway, just to, to close it out. Yeah. Um, which TV shows would it be? Is it Arrow or uh, I can't remember? Uh, I don't Supergirl know. Supergirl and Flash already. Okay. You need Sledge tomorrow and something I'd, else. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, be pretty good. We'll see how we go. Hmm. Yeah, I'm not looking forward to it, but may as well just finish it off. Because um, I'm, I'm not, if I haven't liked it at this point, from what I've seen and heard, obviously I'm not going to continue. I'm yeah. not going to change my mind. Um, <laughs> no. There's going to have to be a drastic change in production. <laughs> no. Um, for a to, to work. But, yeah, enough of that. Uh, there was no other Superman news or anything. Uh, oh, I've actually been reading a Superman, uh, well, not really a Superman book, but I'm reading a book called Superman and Myth and Folklore, mm. which is, uh, very interesting. Is I, that a release or is it, uh, so, quite a... 2015 release, but it got reprinted okay. this year and re-released. Okay. Um, but it's very interesting. It's kind of about folklorism and, uh, like, they couldn't cover every Superman folklore aspect because it's just too broad. Mm-hmm. So they specifically cover how Superman transitions from pop culture into actual folklore in our society. And mm-hmm. uh, essentially the main thing of the book seems to be how he relates to people and has changed or influenced people, like how the whole Superman thing has just become, well, folklore, <laughs> you know. Yeah. So um, it's really interesting. So far, it's it's very objective or anything. It's not written by like a, a fanboy or anything. It's written by a folklorist who uh, can't remember the reason he started it. I think it's because he uh, heard like Superman jokes or something, and he's like, mm. is he that ingrained in uh, our culture? And he sort of wrote a book about it. So really interesting but, stuff so far. Okay, so he's not necessarily a Superman fan. He just thought no, he'd no, he's not. Self to okay. No, he's a folklorist, and Superman yeah. was the subject of this particular uh, work of his. So, oh, that would be very interesting, getting a very objective view oh, and from definitely. a folklorist point of view. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and so I think uh, Monochapter he, he has conversations with three different people with varying degrees of 
Superman influencing their lives, which has been super interesting. So, <laughs> are they from extremes? Like maybe the the hard uh, to... So the the first one, like simply just had a Superman tattoo on her chest. Okay. And she doesn't keep track of comics or movies, but what's interesting is she identifies the character because um, she's an only child. She's six mm-hmm. or five. She's always felt isolated, and so she relates to that aspect and has cookie jars and stuff. But she doesn't watch comics and movies. And then you have like another guy who only watches the Christopher Reeve movies, and then yeah. the next person is like a much more in-depth fan. And then it goes into uh, books mostly about positivity, but it does address like complaints against the character. Yep. Um, and I think that just narrows down to people who want uh, the flaws to outshadow the heroic sort of side, which is like, um, I don't know, he worded it differently, but yeah. Uh-huh. But yeah, no, it's, it's really interesting. I recommend, yeah, read it, because I'm not really... Uh, is it on Kindle? I'm not sure if it's on Kindle, um, but... I do know if you start a free trial at Audible, you okay. do get a free book each month. And since this book is so expensive physically, it, yeah. I would highly recommend doing that. I'm actually going to uh, probably get comp to copy, so a free copy, uh, from someone in Mississippi, which will be nice. And because they're How doing that, that. I, I was just asking why it was so expensive. Then, like, hey, we'll comp your copy. So. It's not my gratitude. I'll probably do a review on the show as well, oh, or a discussion on it at some point. We'd have to. I mean, that's a great. I mean, you're talking about the. What? How much is it retail for? Do you know? Um. Well, for us Australians, the cheapest copy is a paperback, and it's sixty dollars. Oh. And I think that the reason it's like that is because it was made to be sold to libraries. Okay. So yeah, but yeah. really interesting book. Um, I'll. If you're interested, I'll try and get um, a copy or something for you at some point as Gee, well. You're one lucky Vegemite, Connor. You know, <laughs> 60 Aussie bucks. What's that? Say, I don't know, 40 bucks American. I don't know, something like that. Yeah. Pretty good. That's a, nothing to cry home about. That's it's fantastic. Yeah. How do, how, do, how do we get more free stuff? I don't know, but um, I'm glad I got this because uh, I would really like a physical copy to read through and stuff because... Mm-hmm. Connie, yeah. you reckon you can, um, similar to, shout out to Dave from Signal of Doom, your other co-host. Hmm. Maybe we can ask DC to provide us with um, preview copies of Superman or something. DC are more amenable than Marvel in giving... Are they? Copies. Yeah, well, well, I've heard. Um, okay. I, think that's, I think that's what Dave gets. So He gets... Um, he gets image. image. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. Thought he got, I thought he got DC as well. No, I don't think he gets DC. Ah. <sighs> I think it's just image. Um, but yeah, no. Give, give us free Superman stuff and we'll talk about it on the show. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. But yeah, um, this book, I'd like to discuss this book at some point this mm-hmm. year on the show. Um, so that'll, that'll probably happen at some point. Uh, that'd be good. Something different. Yeah. yeah. A book. Definitely. Um, and it's a good book. Really interesting. Uh, I recommend it. So. Right. Yeah. But, um, Moving on, let's go to, so, huh, I guess, well, since we're only doing this one issue, I guess we're about to fly off, aren't we? I reckon we should fly off. How, how are you? Are you ready to, to brave the snow? Yep. Uh, so, 
I'll take the first four paragraphs. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah. Uh, let me. Yeah, for sure. And I'll take. I'll take the next one. One moment, Connor, while I, I pull up our. No worries. Script. <coughs> oh, missed the cough button there. Okay, all good to go. All right, let's Ready? fly up to the North Pole. Up, 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 up and away. Batman, Robin, and Wonder Woman visit the Fortress of Solitude with gifts on Superman's birthday. They find him catatonic with an alien plant wrapped around his body. The alien conqueror Mongol reveals himself, explaining that the plant, the Black Mercy, has incapacitated Superman while it consumes his bio-aura, feeding him a realistic dream based on his heart's deepest desire. In his catatonic state, Superman dreams of a normal life on his long-destroyed home planet on Krypton, happily married to wilderly children. While Wonder Woman battles the more powerful Mongol, Batman and Robin try to free Superman. Superman's fantasy takes a dark turn as his father Jor-El, whose prediction of Krypton's doom was unfulfilled, has become discredited and embittered. Superman's mother Lara has died from the eating sickness, further isolating Jor-El from his family. Even the death of his brother Zor-El has not reconciled Jor-El to his sister-in-law Allura and niece Kara Zor-El. Kryptonian society undergoes several political upheavals, and the disgraced Jor-El becomes the chairman of an extremist movement called the Sword of Rao, calling for a return to Krypton's noble and unspoiled past through the establishment of a totalitarian, totalitarian theocracy under the leadership of Brother Law M. The Phantom Zone, Krypton's other dimensional prison system developed by Jor-El, has become unpopular with the public. Kara Zor-El is assaulted by anti-Zoran posters, protesters, for whom the criminal Jaxor sentenced to an eternity in the Phantom Zone is a martyr. Kal-El decides to leave the city only to witness Jor-El presiding over a political demonstration reminiscent of a fascist rally, which dissolves into a riot between anti-Zone protesters and the Sword of Rao. Superman gradually wakes from his increasingly disturbing dream, which finally dissolves as his son, Van El, slips away at the Candle Crater. Batman pries the mercy from Superman's chest and the plant latches onto him instead, submerging Batman in his own dream in which his parents' murder is prevented when Thomas Wayne disarms Joe Chill. Superman awakens, infuriated by the mercy's attack, and attacks Mongol before he can kill Wonder Woman. They battle across the fortress, causing massive damage. Robin uses Mongol's discarded gauntlets to pry the mercy off Batman stuffing the plant inside a gauntlet to carry it safely towards the battle. Subduing Mongol, Superman is distracted by the sight of the statues of his parents and Mongol gains the upper hand, but Robin drops the mercy on him. Seized by the plant, Mongol is submerged in his own fantasy in which he swats the mercy aside and kills the heroes going on to conquer Earth and the universe. Tending to their wounds, Batman mentions to Wonder Woman that his fantasy included him marrying Kathy Kane and having a teenage daughter, while Wonder Woman confesses envy that she did not find out her own heart's desire. Planning to imprison Mongol in a black hole across the galaxy, Superman unwraps his gifts. Wonder Woman brought a replica of Kandor made by the gemsmiths of Paradise Island, prompting Superman to hide his own replica of the bottle city at super speed, and Batman's gift turns out to be another plant, a new breed of rose called the Krypton, which was stepped on during the fight. 
musing that it is perhaps for the best, Superman asks that someone make coffee while he cleans up the fortress. Deep in his fantasy, Mongol is content. All right. Yeah, <laughs> who who reckons that Robin had to make the coffee at the end? Yeah, <laughs> poor Robin, he had to do everything. Um, he was almost the MVP for this as well. Well, probably was. I would say he was the MVP. Yes. Yeah. Well, because he's the least, you know, the person you would least expect to save mm. Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman. And, so, and um, let me get this right, Connor, as well. So that was Jason Todd. Yeah. He later the Red Hood. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. Cool. So. Uh, yeah. Uh, I hated this story. No, I'm kidding. I still like it. Um, so this is, I'll just read out the credits first. This is, uh, by Alan Moore is the writer. Dave Gibbons is the artist and letterer. Tom Zillico is the colorist and Julius Schwartz is the editor. Uh, so this is just before they did Watchmen Mm -hmm. as well, I think. Uh, so, oh yeah. And, before I always forget this part, so I'll tell you where you can find this issue. So you can find this issue as a single issue on eBay. I don't think it's actually super expensive, um, but I'm not sure. You can also find it in the greatest Superman stories ever told, across the universe, DC stories of Alan Moore, DC Universe, the stories of Alan Moore, Superman, Whatever Happened to the Man of Tomorrow, Deluxe Edition, Superman, A Celebration of 75 Years, and Superman vs. Mongol. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And you're reading it from where, Connor? So, oh, just again, before we go forward, that noise in the background's a fan, and it's raining a bit. Uh, you're just going to have to deal with it because it's hot. <laughs> I thought that was Mongol blowing sweet nothings. <sighs> Curse Mongol. He's back again. <laughs> now he's causing minor annoyances. <laughs> yeah. um, so I have two copies of this because I have the, well, I have three. I have my 9.6 CGC signed by Dave Gibbons. I have uh, my DC Universe by Alan Moore, and I have Superman 75 Years. Uh, so out of the two trade or hard co- cover copies I have, I prefer DC Universe by Alan Moore, just okay. because I think the uh, ratio of comic to page is nicer. Okay. Like, Any, yeah. But, you know. Any marked differences in, the, in like, the reprint and the colouring? No? Oh, well, the, the colouring is obvious. Like, everything's obviously sharper. Okay, yep, sure. I mean, okay. oh, of course, the original, yeah, for sure. How did you read yours? Uh, yeah, I, I have the, the Celebration of 75 ah. um, in digital. Um, so, oh, did you get that? Yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah. I had no idea you had that. Yeah, because we, uh, I got it because of the issue 141. Um, <clears> oh, <throat> and, and it was on special. Yeah, and it made sense that this one was on it as well. So two birds, one stone. It's good, man. Eight pins. I picked up a physical for like twenty bucks. Oh, nice. Uh, yeah, like really good value. Um, Where did oh, like eBay or something? No, just a comic shop. Oh. Um, wait, no, it was Booktopia. Oh, they're pretty good. Yeah. yeah uh, so it's a really nice hardcover, really nice paper, and everything. And twenty bucks is an absolute steal. I would pick it for twenty bucks. If I saw it for twenty bucks, I'd get it. Yeah, because like the they are expensive usually. It's um, a hard, right? You said a hardcover. Yeah. Yeah. Jeez, bloody hell, twenty and bucks. It's also a very good collection of stories because they're mostly standalone. Yeah. Uh, except for the death of Superman, which is obviously not standalone, but um, everything else there is pretty much standalone. The only questionable addition is 
the story they chose from the John Byrne era was a Mr. McSpitlick story. <laughs> okay. What Which, is the best of John Byrne, is it? Well, you know how John Byrne kind of grounded Superman a bit? Oh, okay. Right. But then the, the story they choose from his era is about the interdimensional space imp. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's a bit weird. But, like, that's that's such a quibble. Um, so, uh... Frank Miller and choosing one of his, you know, really rare comedy books. <laughs> Superman Year One, Issue Three. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, so uh, yeah, so this was great to read in the seventy-five celebration of seventy-five years. Yeah, so before we get into it, I guess did you have a different experience reading this now as opposed to a couple of years ago? I certainly did, actually, mm. uh, though not because of its connections to one four one. It was yeah. certainly uh, enjoyable to see, you know, to understand a little bit more about War World, which which yeah. pops. In, in Mongols thing and uh and and Lala Larol and uh the the golden volcano you know those yeah. little things <laughs> uh they were nice connectors uh, but uh I don't know yeah I um it was certainly a different I'll tell you what when did we when did I read this before because uh we'll get into it later but there's a thing with his connection with Van L which I I I think has something to do with me having a son now as well okay and it actually uh, had a bit a greater impact now reading yeah. it in that sense. Um, yeah, and I probably put it down to um, having having a, my own little Van L. So. Yeah. Well, let's hope uh, things end up better on your front. Um. Well, yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, but also, as well, to answer your question, I mean, with us reviewing other Mongol issues, mm. and although I had read this before, coming back to this kind of reaffirmed to me how kind of I prefer this as a definitive version of Mongol. Yeah. And he, he's the most effective, for me, he's the most effective here. Um, he's just ruthless. Yeah. And, uh, and so that, that hasn't, that sheen hasn't gone away from when I first read it. Mm. It actually came back and I was reminded and it probably augmented it even more because I had read the, those other issues of Mongol. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. So definitely a different experience. Um, there are a few things that I forgot as well um like uh, we'll get into it but um but kal-el's um you know life on krypton so to yep. speak uh i totally forgot where that where that was going until of course <laughs> you know getting to the thing so i was opening it going oh okay so we've got to what, what the hell is this and then yeah so uh, yeah it was good it was an overall a, a really refreshing reread of it yeah mm. yeah that that's good um and yeah, as you said, you got like a lot more, like Superman 141 and Mongol stories and stuff. And yep. You've read yeah. some Superman from this continuity as well. Yeah. I mean, even also just talking with you, I'm just looking at the first page. Uh, even the the reference to the Scarlet Jungle, you know. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. So all these little things are familiar, uh, and yeah. even this thing with Nightwing and Flamebird, which you've told me about. Yeah. So that's kind of like, oh, that's pretty cool. Okay, so this was mentioned way back then. I'm assuming Nightwing wasn't invented yet, right? Uh, the character is 85. Um, oh, Nightwing the character's 85. Well, I mean, I mean, Nightwing the character, Dick Grayson. Was he yeah, invented? yeah, that's what I mean. I'm just wondering, was Dick Grayson Nightwing at this point? See, our listeners, I'm not like a Titans guy, so 
that's why my knowledge is rusty on this. But like, uh, obviously, Nightwing came from. Yeah, the name Nightwing came from this Superman stuff, but well, I mean that was that's what got me excited, like reading that, going, oh, cool, this is um, what I'm reading now is pre Dick Grayson Nightwing, mm. and, and this is where the writers have actually gleaned their influence from. So that was going in my head, and and that's why I enjoyed you know reading those little things. Well, Nightwing and Flamebird, the Kryptonian heroes or whatever iteration they mm. choose, uh, that was that was sixty three. As okay. Dick Grayson, it was 84. So, yes, he would have been Nightwing at this point. Okay, okay. okay. Yeah. Well, anyway, regardless of that, it, it still was pretty cool to read it back in 85 here. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, yeah. And, like, these things aren't mandatory for enjoyment. You can just assume they're parts of Kryptonian mm. yeah. culture, but once you know these little Easter eggs, it's like, oh, that's cool, because uh, yeah. Moore has actually rooted this with a lot of, like, little continuity nods and stuff. Um one of the things I find really interesting, actually, I only found this out today, is originally uh, Supergirl was going to have the role that Wonder Woman had in this. Okay. But since... Which, I mean, I could see it happen, right? Yeah, I, it would... I think it would definitely change the story a bit as well. Yeah? Well, just because... Um, just a connection to Krypton? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's... It, it's also like, I don't know, because um, again, the whole Superman family thing, it's, uh, he's obviously, he's not the lone survivor of Supergirls around, so I just, I would have liked to have seen how that would have played out in this story. Okay. But I feel like this story is better for not having her in it, mm. because it more emphasizes the isolation he has. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, whereas you have Supergirl right there, it's like, well, at least you still have your Kryptonian cousin, you know what I mean? Um, yeah, 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 true, 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 that makes a good, yeah, that, that makes total sense. But since, uh, she was about to be dead in crisis, uh, Julius Watts said that she couldn't be in this story, so. Hey. Yeah. Well, Wonder Woman does an, uh, ample job. I think this is a pretty early appearance of the quote-unquote Trinity as well. Oh, is it? Okay. If not the first, because they weren't. They weren't associated as a trinity until relatively recently. Okay, that's very interesting, because that's what I immediately connected it with. I just thought, okay, here's the trinity, of course, Batman, Wonder Woman, uh, Superman. Yeah, because it was really just Superman and Batman, and then you had the Justice League. There was no Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman trinity. Right. I'm I'm wondering when exactly that started, because this story definitely would have been... Oh, here we go. I bookmarked it. Uh, when does it actually happen? Hmm. Okay, so I think this was... This is a very early appearance of the Trinity kind of together like this. Mm-hmm. I think before that, she didn't really... They weren't really a Trinity, so... Right. Just for this article I'm skimming right now, it does go into their history in each age, but this is like, I think the first kind of famous. Yeah, so that's just an interesting little tidbit. Anyway, um, right. think clean thoughts, chum. Yeah, that that was a cool. Um, uh, before before we get into it, though, I mean, like, yeah. how do you find the reread? Like, just overall impression. Um, like, so like, you've probably read it ages, uh, countless times. Yeah, so I didn't get anything new from it. 
Mm-hmm. But I still enjoyed it a lot. You know, like I think I read this, it took me about 40 minutes to read this because I was just taking my time. Okay. And I was admiring the artwork and stuff and mm-hmm. some of the prose, stuff like that. So, yeah, like, I didn't get anything new from it, but I still really enjoyed it, and I definitely see myself reading it again. So, yeah. yeah. It definitely has that quality of uh, reread um, material. Yeah, and it's a nice, nice like, one shot. You know? It is. I mean, that's uh, that, that's a, mate, like, a big appeal for me, for this being an annual. It's a substantial size. Yeah. It, 40 pages. 40 so pages, you- yeah nice meaty story but um i've got to say as well and look i i um <laughs> i haven't been as um you know loving towards alan moore <laughs> kind of, uh, uh, you know with some of his other stuff but i do have to admit that this one here is such a well-rounded uh, well-paced it um it, it it has a lot in there and, and it's so satisfying yeah. to read because you're taken through a particular journey there are some uh, uh, there's a lot of um, really, not I wouldn't say innovative, but there's a lot of really um, admirable things that he does with the storytelling. Uh, yeah. He loves to obviously, you know, he inserts his political, social kind <laughs> of commentary in there. Of course, fascism. Uh, yeah, Alan Moore, typical there. So he gets it in there, but he crafts it in the story. Uh, yeah. that is within Superman's head. So you get these two stories working in tandem. He gets, Alan Moore gets to indulge himself and, yeah. and you know, fle- fle- uh, flesh out this. But we also get the Superman kind of story with him fighting Mongol. Um, we see Batman, Wonder Woman. We get a bit more of a DC um, universe thing. So he caters a lot for uh, a wide array of, of readers, I feel. Mm. And even his style is... Uh, is it caters for a lot. What really threw me at the beginning, and you mentioned it with that that line about um, you know, what was it? Eyes ahead, look look ahead, chum or something. Oh, it yeah. was so it was so lighthearted at the beginning. Think Queen was, thoughts, chum. You yeah. Think like, yeah, I was thrown by it, and and I kind of I found it kind of refreshing that Batman was kind of you know not as intense. Not as, a jerk. Yeah, yeah <laughs> he was actually relaxed a bit because that makes sense. They're there to. To give Superman a present, it's all. There's nothing at stake here. They're yeah. all there. Just enjoy themselves. Um, they're just they're just chatting away. Of course, Batman and the young Robin, they would kind of mention something like that because Wonder Woman's in, in her in her costume in the snow. Yeah, uh, in like a swimsuit in the snow. <laughs> yeah, well, which actually granted that Robin is not exactly suited up properly as well. That's true. Um, he does have bare legs. Um, yeah. Yeah, but uh, I just I love that banter. But then it just goes to different places. Like it goes really dark with Mongol and Superman as well, um, and it goes into um, as I mentioned that political and social aspects. It's... But also, yeah, it also goes to sorry the Van L thing with the mm. great Superman. Such a, an emotional scene there, and that that was what really kind of I found revisiting it a new thing. Um, just this, like I could imagine. That that innocent Van El saying, "Oh look, oh I want to go back to Mum," you know, because he's getting a little scared. Yeah, he's getting freaked yeah. out. It's pretty horrible. Like it's horrible. But but then yeah, Kal-El knowing that, oh mate, you're not real, and but the pain that he's feeling. So you can understand how angry he is when he comes out of his you know stupor. Like he's he's essentially to him, he would have like he's lived an entire lifetime. Like mm. he has those thirty years of memories. 
yeah. with his fake family. You yeah. know, like yeah. thirty years worth, or a whole years, all of that worth. Yeah. And then coming to that realization, and then asking, okay, who did this to me? <laughs> like, you know, having to go through that trauma. Um, so that that was a big selling point for me for this, and that's what I've again, Alan Moore, his writing, to come up with these ideas and to stitch it together into one story in 40 pages was really, uh, yeah, really, really good. I mean, like, I, th- I love all of the story. I don't think any of it's weak, yeah. but, like, you know, I think, I, I don't want to say under mildly, but, like, Superman's sense of loss in this story and what he goes through, like, it is the strongest part yeah. of the story because, you know, you have this character who's already, like, kind of miserable about being the last of his kind. Mm. And then, you know, just the way he, the way Alan Moore kind of tortures Superman with this reality, <laughs> yeah. um, is just really effective and very character specific as well. Like, I guess Mongol, uh, knows, you know, like the worst possible way you can torture Superman. Yeah. Um, and so, well, I'd like to kind of, so I do want to, t- let's talk about the cover. I mean, yeah, yeah. the cover's great. Like it, it paints the picture, right? You have Krypton in the back, but it's kind of dreamlike. You have a leering Mongol with Superman entrapped by the black nurse. He and everyone else is looking on horrified. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna say also, yeah, the the, um, the size, the scale of Mongol is is pretty intimidating in this issue yeah. because he he's is markedly bigger than say Batman. There's a, a panel where they're standing and he's crouching to talk to Batman. Yeah, he's huge. <laughs> And you see it here in the in the uh, the cover as well. Also, the Black Mercy, a great design. I guess hats off to Dave Gibbons for making such a monstrous looking plant. Yeah, it's pretty like it's kind of gross. <laughs> it's gross. Yeah, it's quite disgusting. With uh, I know they look like tongues coming out or whatever they are. Yeah, and it's going into his chest as well. Yeah, yeah. So um, quite an effective effective cover, I think. Yeah, and I love. So you get like I love the prologue, just even the artwork of Krypton at dusk. Yeah, it just sets it just sets a really good mood mm. for his flashbacks, and I love the way Clark's dressed. Like I mean, the, the the Krypton the Krypton segments are my favorite parts of okay. this. Okay, yeah, uh, because I just really love the art. I love I love how like Krypton's kind of dilapidating those little subtle touches, like puddles on the. Mm-hmm. You know, and leakage everywhere, um, and great colors. I mean, yeah. Uh, who who were the colors? A colorist. So the colorist was uh, Tom Zuiko. Okay, well he's done a good job. He's really. done a great job. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you know, as it's, it's a really nice nod having Lila be his wife in this fantasy. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, that, that's a nice tie, I think, to previous stories. Yeah, that's a big thing, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, and it makes sense as well. Is, is this the last we see of, of, of Lila? Do we see any more of her later uh, on? I think, I think another version of her pops up in, like, post-crisis. Okay. Um, but, like, the this iteration, I think, yeah. Mm. But, yeah, the, the Trinity dynamic's pretty fun. It is fun. It's like... Yeah. A- so I re- it, it threw me, as I said, it was not what I was expecting, but 
I guess it's a nice contrast or juxtaposition to what is to come, really. Yeah. It puts you at ease at first, and then, you know, you see, you kind of gradually see how serious the matter is. Yeah. I, I mean, I love Dave Gibbons' art of everyone. I love his Wonder Woman, his Batman. Mm. Uh, I love his Superman, especially when you see his face looking forward. Mm-hmm. On those two panels, it kind of transitioned from him to from the fortress to Krypton. And I love, like, when you see uh, Batman, Wonder Woman, and Robin, like, just how vast the door of the Fortress of Solitude is. Yeah. They're kind of minuscule. Yeah. And, you know, Wonder Woman's like, i, I got to remind him that not everyone who comes here can fly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, it's just up on this mountain, and they have to kind of walk up. So, at this point, did Wonder Woman fly? Because she can no. fly. Oh, she, okay, so she couldn't before. Yeah, that, that's why she has the invisible jet. Oh, I, I thought that was just... I thought she could fly, but she just had the jet as well. I never really put two into... Okay, right. So the flying thing is a recent thing. I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure in this... Like, at this point, she couldn't fly. Yeah, okay. I thought um, she was just polite to Batman and Robin. I'll walk with you then. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think she needs to fly, to be honest. Oh, I mean, I'm just saying she flies now. Oh, yeah, uh, I'm just saying, commenting in general, like, I don't... Yeah. I find it a bit odd, I don't think she really needs to fly. Why can't she just jump really high? Okay, well, you know. Anyway, um, this is just neither here nor there. <laughs> um, and you actually mentioned, uh, we do see, the, we get the introduction of what Batman has given Superman, is giving Superman, which is... Yeah. um. Custom made the Krypton, the flower, flower. Uh, that was pretty funny, right? Batman giving him a flower. I mean, uh, I thought it was funny because of like the whole ridiculous bromance they have, um, where they give each other flowers on their birthdays. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it is a bit strange, isn't it? <laughs> but you know, custom made. It's a Krypton. Uh, it's really funny when he said that. I was just thinking because you know, recent um, events with Batman or conflicts with him and Superman. I'm thinking, is he going to make that out of kryptonite or something? <laughs> pretty, pretty perverse gift. For him. In a in a post-Dark Knight Returns world, I'm sure it would have had kryptonite in it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or like a little camera or something to keep an eye on <laughs> That's Clark. Right. Contingent uh, for everything. Yeah. yeah. But man, like these, these panels in Krypton after his party or whatever, they're just gorgeous. Like the blue shading... And stuff as it's night, yeah. like I love all that. Um, yeah, with the moon and, and and you know you can see beyond, um, just kind of outlined. Um, yeah, just the two colors used, just pink and blue, which you don't think would work, but it actually works. So, yeah, I, I love crazy Jarrell. <laughs> like, I mean, mad isn't he? Um, the planet didn't blow up, and he's just ridiculously bitter and disillusioned because I think well, everyone thinks he's the laughing stock. Yeah, yeah. And he's sticking to his guns, you know. Very yeah. proud. Um, and now he's sided with these, like, turbo-fascists, the sort of rare, because... Yeah, which is... all this Because New Krypton, like, it is actually dilapidating. You can see it. Mm. So these yeah. guys do have a point that Krypton was better. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, which... And, and obviously this means that, uh, you know, Clark's world isn't perfect, yeah. Like, he doesn't get put in a perfect world by the Black Mercy, which I think is really interesting. 
Yeah, that, um, that that is a question then. So what is is that him resisting the black mercy? That's that's my main thinking yeah. is because yeah. like the fact that there's just so much wrong is like his brain trying to tell him that like this whole thing is wrong. Krypton shouldn't be like this. Yeah. Like it's Krypton has exploded, it shouldn't be this weird thing and you know, Jorel's not a crazy person and like that he should wake up. Um is I that, also th- Yeah, sorry. I also think maybe it's also part of that is like it's kind of reflecting Earth. Okay, right. Which is another kind of wake up call thing because Krypton isn't Earth and like it wouldn't be like this. Uh, you know, it, yeah, it's it, yeah. In any case, it, it's really Superman himself. He gets him out of out of it. I mean, not, you know, the others, Robin, Batman, they're, they're trying to pry the Black Mercy out from him. But it wouldn't loosen until he even, like, resisted so, it actively. Yeah, he was he was actually fighting it from within, and, and the, the tentacles kind of loosened a little, and they managed to... Yeah. Um, so it's really he, his own self that saved himself in this whole thing. Oh, pretty much. I think, like, every part in Krypton that we get, I think, is his subconscious fighting the illusion. And and has Jor-El always been? I mean, this is an eighty-five. Um, I see the more recent runs as well. Has he always been a difficult character? No. Okay, so he, he has been loving and all that towards. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he's what's... generally he's generally been a pretty awesome dude. Okay. Okay. Because all right. Because there always seems to be some sort of conflict with him. In... Well, I guess in the context of this story, it's because, like, it's not, like, it's deliberately not what. Jorel is like, or okay. it's like a, it's a twisted alternate future, yeah, where everything kind of goes wrong. Um, yeah. it's but not like a uh, recent DC where he just turned out to be a jerk. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm adding those up, like the aggregates for me. Yeah. Um. So you know, you know, I, I totally understand this actually works with it because, uh, yeah, of course, um, it, it's it's what's happening within Superman's head. But yeah, from what I've seen, he just seems to be always kind of difficult but it's good to know that he isn't because i'd love to see a little bit more of a a good father-son relationship yeah yeah well we got that when he gave him the cheating pillow (laughs) (laughs) that's right Uh, (laughs) teach your son good immorals i love uh, this panel on page eight where you have the krypton skyline but then you have like these slums yeah underneath Yeah, this is exactly what you were talking about, right? The smouldering steam, um, uh, the cracks in the walls. It's not looking like your utopia. No. So uh, it's definitely not what Krypton should be like. And Uh, again, um, harking to the colours, again, two, three kind of colours, red and yellow for the the skyline, works really well against the architecture that Gibbons draws. Absolutely, yeah. Like it's it's much more effective this way than if it, everything was fully coloured. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. It actually gives it that off-worldy look. Yeah, yeah. It's supposed to be a dream as well, so hallucination, as, whatever. Yeah, yeah. But um, so yeah, you're right. Mongol's huge. On page ten here, he's towering over them, and he's like not even standing up straight. Yeah, that's right. He's massive. Yeah. Especially, you see it later on with Robin trying to put on the gloves as well. (laughs) Yeah, they're huge. So, yeah, Dave Gibbons makes a point, because you certainly see some scale and perspective. Yeah. He really wants to emphasise the scale of Mongol. 
Um, but yeah, he, he, so his introduction here, it's, um, I love his talk here, Alan Morrison. How remarkable. You animals really are almost intelligent, aren't you? It's <laughs> unlike <laughs> you such. <laughs> he really has no respect for these no, guys. He doesn't. Mongol's all about Mongol, number one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And yeah. then he's kind of gloating in front of them about all, and, and I, again, another little thing, uh, was it Wonder Woman says to Robin? Oh yeah. Go away slowly. And then he says, well, what's, what's with this yellow, what does he call him? The yellow guy? Stop distracting me. Oh yeah. Please tell the little yellow creature to stop shuffling. It distracts <laughs> me. <laughs> it's a, it's a, it should be Robin, I assume. Yeah. Um, because be, Robin is freaking out. Like he's. Yeah, absolutely. No way that he could take on this dude. Like, this is not in the job description. Um. <laughs> um, so, yeah, this is actually quite a scary moment because Superman is incapacitated. You've got yeah. this behemoth coming here, kind of calmly walking towards him. Uh, he kind of manhandles him as well. Um, you don't know what he's going to do. Yeah. You'll see, you're almost like patting his head. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so he's just kind of explaining the whole thing Yeah. about Black Mercy. Uh, but I love that panel here where he crouches next to Batman. You get that sense of scale. Yeah, definitely. And I love, I love the way they get him, like, Wonder Woman's like, oh, perhaps we can play for time, so Batman's like, hey, what exactly is that thing? <laughs> yep. Just to, like, stall the, and Mongol, being the egotistical maniac he is, he just, like, goes into it. Um, Eats so I like up. that deliberate ploy. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and I like, I like how he's like, oh, I bet Superman's in a really happy place right now. Like, Superman's world is this kind of weird, nightmarish Krypton. Yeah. Um, I mean, because for all intents, Mongol believes. I mean, obviously, Black Mercy gives you a heart's desire. So, um, that's, that's actually another thing as well. So, maybe this is a bit of a stretch, but would Mongol have anticipated this effect to be on Superman? Because he wants Superman to suffer, the, right? He wouldn't want him to, obviously... He does mention later that he... Knows that the only way to get out of it is to give up your heart's desire. So maybe he anticipated Superman being able to see through it, just so he could, so he could get, uh, so he could be basically just um, crushed. Yeah. yeah, and if he didn't, then it'd just be like a win-win for Mongol, really. Yeah, because originally I thought, okay, he just wanted Superman to be out of the picture. You know, just yeah. what. But then I thought, why would you be? Why would he be so kind as to allow Superman to enjoy his heart's desire? Unless, of course, he knew that Superman would resist it, and uh, eventually. But then, Superman would be out of his funk. You know what I mean? So yeah, um, it's he'd have to then confront Superman in some sort of way. So yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah, I love I love how vicious Mongol is in. It's like, I better adjust your many interesting customs. I know, for example, that your society makes distinctions based on gender and age. And perhaps <laughs> you could advise me, which of you would it be polite to kill first? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They're just dripping with evil. Um, I do love what happens here. There's a just <laughs> almost wordless panel, well, almost, <laughs> going well. Uh, just the looks, and, and Moore does this. I mean, he does this in the Krypton um, scenes as well with Jor-El and Kal-El, um, just the Try, getting Gibbons to express, use the facial expressions, yeah. tell the story. Um, but I love it when Wonder Woman gives him a punch. But uh, I was actually surprised again when she 
she hurt her hand. Yeah, and he's just going, hmm. (laughs) So back here, then, she can't fly. Wonder Woman, she's not as powerful as she is now because she's pretty pretty powerful now, right? She's powerful here, but no, she's not as powerful as she is now. She's like, she's gotten a pretty significant buff, I believe. Okay, because... her power set. Otherwise, Mongol would be souped up, totally. If he could take Wonder Woman's punch... Yeah. He must be pretty powerful, but yeah, yeah. So, um, Oh, and Mongols, uh, again, Mongol is also a lot more powerful. Yeah. Pre-crisis. Um... You know, we should have stayed that way, but whatever. But I love, like, Robin's freaking out on that top panel. He's like, ah! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, that, that's pretty great when she just walks up and punches him. And it's a good panel as well. Obviously, it doesn't do anything, but... No. Um, she's <laughs> like, oh, God, when his yeah. giant hand reaches towards her. Yeah. Yeah. Um, then it goes back to, obviously, it goes back to a bit of the Krypton. The nightmare uh, world where... Kara's oh, getting stabbed. <laughs> yeah, so things are just getting worse, you know, here. So he's yeah. really having a conflict with his dad. Um, Kara's, you know, seriously injured. Um, this is definitely, at this stage, as a reader, this is definitely not his heart's desire. No. Turning south. Um, but it's funny because you, you become so invested with this story as well. I, I don't know about you, but sometimes when I was reading it, you just take it for the story as it is and, like, um, you know, I'd forget that. Um, oh, you not, forget not, that it's like all Superman well, not, subconscious and stuff. Yeah, not not that I'd totally forget that, but like it, I'd get drawn into this story. Yeah. I guess, oh, that. yeah, like I'm drawn into the Krypton struggle and all this yeah. stuff as well. Like, yeah, yeah, it's not like I'm going when I'm reading it. Ah, oh, this is all a dream anyway. You know, yeah, I'm, yeah, exactly. I'm invested in this drama, so mm. and the characters and stuff. Um, yeah. With a, what was it called? A slash stick or something? Slash stick? Oh. Yeah. That, yeah. like, the, their name for a knife, which is different. Um, yeah, which I liked. Yeah. Yeah. And what is that thing that, um, eating sickness? Is that? Yeah, I'm not sure, actually. Maybe there was a reference to this earlier or something, but, um. Sounds pretty cool. Like, you know, obviously any sickness is not cool, but. <laughs> <laughs> sounds gnarly, so, man. <laughs> It's just so um, mysterious as to what it is. Yeah, maybe it's supposed to be that way. Is um, it? Maybe it's just supposed to Yeah. Yeah. I can't find... Yeah, I, ca- I can't find anything on it. Mm. Okay. Um, maybe, like, she just stopped eating or something. I'm not sure. Yeah, or she ate too much. You overate. Yeah. Just it's hunger. Keep on eating. I even like this little bit where uh, Van Ellie's playing with Nightwing and Flamebird with a nurse. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. And she's like, so then what does Nightwing do? Uh, it's like, he breaks all his arms off. Ah! <laughs> even that's like a little twisted superhero, kind of. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's like, superheroes don't do that. <laughs> No, no, it isn't. Yeah, it kind of just shows. Yeah, it's very. I mean, it's very childlike. So, oh, definitely. You know, yeah. with um hyper violence, but it, it's very cartoonish. So they just laugh at it. Um, yeah. But but people like you know, us or um a bit more mature kind of say, oh, okay, that's a bit extreme. Yeah. Um. 
But yeah, it's um, trying to get out of town on little hover cars. Uh, there's you know the weird rally going on with the cultists. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I like how he kind of says, oh, it's just a circus parade. Uh, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Well, I mean, but, otherwise it'd be pretty scary. Like. Well, you know, there are people that the militia are there, and so it's like, oh no, they're just having a <laughs> just having a fun game. Don't worry. Um, so yeah, that's the things are heating up there as well, and and I love the the reintroduction. Um, it's very kind of, I don't know, cinematic in the sense that, you know, you just see Wonder Woman smashing through a wall. Oh, with the caption, everything's fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, taking a hit, yeah, the old contrasting. Uh, that, that made me laugh. Um, everything's yeah. fine. <laughs> I love where she lands, though. Uh, is it, what is it, the Hall of Weapons or something? Um, yeah, something like that. And, and that's uh, Superman. Yeah, too, Hall like. of Weapons. Yeah, he's got he's got a whole arsenal of all these weapons from all over the cosmos, right? Yeah, he does all these really powerful weapons and stuff, um, uh, which is pretty cool. I, lo- I love Superman's Fortress. I love mm-hmm. like they they did they've done them for Marvel comics as well, but like the where they have like maps of the heroes. Oh, yes, yes. Hideouts and there's like a big yep. thing of Fortress of Solitude showing all the different levels and stuff. Oh, nice. He's got okay. a lot of crazy stuff in there. Um, that's pretty cool. I'm sure they did the Batcave as well. It's all... Yeah. Yeah. Um, I like... Sorry? Oh, I was just saying Alan Moore's, like, little things towards... Like, uh... You wouldn't be the Kryptonian's mate by any chance. <laughs> and even yeah. when they kiss at the end, they're like, Oh, it, why don't we do this more often? It'd be too predictable. Did I, like... Is there something meta in there that Alan Moore's saying, or...? Yeah, yeah, I... I, I... Uh, I, I like it as well. I mean, I like Wonder Woman's response as well. Just good friends. Like, <laughs> it's just something about she's aware that there's this talk about those two. Okay. Uh, this yeah. is her, this is her kind of standard response, even in this, you know, um, event where she's in, in massive danger against this guy. She kind of um, recites this. <laughs> you yeah. Know? And it's almost like annoying for her. Yeah, you know, oh God, let it rest. Everyone seems to think that, you know. That's and so she's responded like that. Um, yeah, no, I like it. And and as you say, the thing towards the end, uh, there is a certain kind of yeah meta yeah. element to it, which I, I'm not I'm not like aware of the complete context or anything or what the what the thing was like at the time surrounding mm-hmm. these two. Like, did people think they should be a couple or something? I don't know, but. Um, it's it still fun, sense, right? Yeah. Well, they, no. they, they did it, uh, New 52, and people, a lot of people hated it. But when oh. you read the actual stories, it's actually not bad. Okay. Um, it's just like, he's allowed to date people before Lois Lane, you know? Yeah. Like, but anyway. Um, I, I love how Mongol's looking like Satan here. <laughs> Is that at bottom of 18? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I love the, um, the next page. The Gibbons does a really good job there to make, Make it look like that gun is pretty powerful. Yeah. Like, you just see almost, not a silhouette, I don't know, it just, it's all white. It's white, all, yeah. Yeah. Really cool. And the, um, what do you call them? The effects words? Shum. <laughs> pretty cool. Wait, do you have effects words? Yeah, you don't? No. Sure. And you're, you're reading the Superman 75 years. Yeah, so page 19 where Wonder Woman... Zapping him with the gun? Yeah, and then on top of it, in pink. Shoom? Let me have a look. 
It looks like Shoe. S S S H O O O M. Oh, I just didn't see it. Ah, uh, right, yeah. Because of the way it was done. Oh, okay. I just I just assumed it was part of the background. Part of the ah, okay, right. Yeah. yeah, it is it is pretty abstract. So um, Yeah. That's cool actually, I like that. And it's not again, I've got to call out the colours there. A nice um what do you got that magenta against a yellow and the white. It just yeah. it makes it look like a really kick ass blast. The colouring <laughs> is seriously amazing in this book. The colouring is very good. Oops, sorry. The colouring is very good. Yeah. yeah. But Wonder Woman's not doing too well, really. She's getting the crap kicked out of her. Yeah, you have to worry about her while she's left with Mongol. Yeah. I mean, yeah, she ends up just being, like, unconscious for the rest of the... Well, most of the issue, anyway. Thankfully, um, not, you know, so... Pardon? Thankfully, nothing more, you know? Oh, yeah, no. Um, I mean... The way Mongol's going, like, she'd cracked open like a walnut. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, he's giving her head a good bash, that's for sure. Jeez, and he's, like, his hand's the size of her head. Um, <laughs> so, and obviously Batman and Robin can't really do anything in that physical fight, so they're oh. trying to revive Superman. By stroking his face. <laughs> <laughs> Wake up, Clark. I need you. <laughs> Uh, um, but like, uh, I like how Batman points out whatever's going on through there is out of our league, so Batman doesn't put on an anti-Mongol utility jetpack oh, prep time thank, thing. Thankfully, um, thankfully, <laughs> got some bloody thing in his utility belt that saves everything. Um, yeah. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> um, so it's good. He's realistic this time. You know, he's so he, sorry. I'll rephrase that. He's um, he knows that the situation is what it is, and he's being realistic. Yeah. 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 Um, and I was like, hey, Van, your grandfather's the chairman of a weird fascist cult. <laughs> <laughs> he's really given, like, the doom speech up there, isn't he? Well, it doesn't help with Gibbons giving him that low angle. <laughs> yeah, I love it, though. It's so great. Um, yeah. Yeah. Long live Krypton. And then, of course, a riot breaks out. Uh, yeah. So, so they're against obviously. So they're against the the Phantom Zone, right? They think that the treatment is un, is um, not humane. I mean, yeah. when you think about it, it's a really interesting point. Mm. Like Jaxor got sentenced um, for eternity. It's like there's any and like um, the Phantom Zone in this continuity. I think it's in the Grant Morrison Act comics as well. Like they just exist on the phantom plane, so they can kind of see stuff, but they can never interact with anything. Mm-hmm. So it's like this really cruel form of torture. Yeah. And it's like, surely it would just be better to put them to death, right, than... Oh, yeah, big, um... Yeah, heavy, heavy, uh, heavy decisions there. So Alan Moore's kind of brought up this, I guess just this little observation, is that, hey, the phantom zone's actually pretty barbaric as a punishment. Um, mm. <laughs> whereas before it was just, you know... Um, yeah. Although that there is a miniseries I haven't read called The World of Krypton. Okay. And that is a Bronze Age series, and it, I believe it covers Jor-El's creation of the Phantom Zone and his rivalry with General Zod. Ooh. And I believe it was written like early eighties. So. Okay. Yeah. Krypton. It's actually collected in the World of Krypton trade paperback, along with John Burns Post Crisis World of Krypton as well. So. Is that long out of print? No, I picked it up recently. 
Oh, okay. okay. Yeah. Yeah, you might be in Final Comicsology or something. Um, mm. It sounds interesting. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, anyway. Yeah, so this is, so Kal-El's starting to... Let's get my son out of this, uh... <laughs> yeah, but at the same time... He's well, like, he's, he's about like, to wake up, really. Yeah. So he he's taking the son away, but he knows... I reckon he knows where he's going. He's going to the crater because yeah. he can take his son there to, you know, to get out of this and... The know. Brainiac crater. Yeah. Better love old Brainiac. It's a galactic space jerk, taking cities, annoying everyone. Yeah, it leaves his mark anywhere, doesn't he? He does, he does. He just, like, spreads... He just poos where he eats. He just... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's nice again the sense of scale I love it um, look Gibbons he really just works with a couple of lines here I'm talking at the top of page 22 yeah it's just a crater and a speck of them um, driving yeah, it doesn't have to put much detail but you get the expanse of the crater just by the sheer mm. yeah yeah no it's huge I mean it, it's a whole city yep like the, the I think it was the uh God, sorry guys, like, I'm supposed to be a Superman expert, but I'm not. (laughs) On the other hand, when you've read so much Superman, it just starts blurring together. But I believe, um, Kandor is the capital of Krypton, or was at that point. Yeah. Um. Well, it's it's gotta be an important city, right? Yeah, it's a former capital city of Krypton. Um, former because it got Brainiac. Uh, yeah, Brainiac takes all the capitals, yeah. Sorry, just had a mind fart there, guys. But, um. Nice. Yeah, no, no, big crater for big city. Yeah, and and this is what I was talking about towards at at the beginning of of our discussion. Um, I found this quite, um, yeah, quite quite emotional, really. Yeah. Just a little fella. I mean, he's a lot older. What what is he? Eight years old or something? Yeah, he seems about that. Still the son, and uh, and he's still a kid. Yeah. Yeah, and this decision that Cal Hell has to go through. Yeah. You know, to say to let him go. And, yeah, and he's he's frightened the hell, you know, out of him, out of the whole situation, Van L. And he still has to kind of like let him go and say, mate, you're not real. <laughs> I don't think you're real. That's what he says. Yeah. Um, that's all he can really say to explain to him. And uh, and it's quite, um, yeah, it's, it's quite a. Quite get, a bit- he gets freaked out then. Yeah. And, like he just wants to hold him one more time, but Van's kind of too freaked out. Yeah. Yeah, um, he's just like, I want to see mum, you're weirding me out. <laughs> yeah, that's not good, you know? It's like, you know, you, you don't want to... And he just wants to care for him, and he just wants to, um, you know, say goodbye, hold him for one, one more time, but um, but he's scared the hell out of him. So it's a, a very tough way to, to, to say goodbye, real or not, you know? Yeah, definitely. I mean, it, it's essentially real to Superman. Like, it, emotionally, it's real. Yeah. Um, And that, that last panel... Reminiscent of that certain famous painting. Oh, yeah. Um, yes. You know, and Bat- Batman's like, forget the gauntlets, because obviously the thing's starting to come off now yeah. that Superman's directing it, so Batman's, like, helping pull it off. Yep. Um, and, of course, it lands on him. Yep. Batman, Batman, Batman. And, uh, hmm, I wonder what his fantasy is. <laughs> yeah. His so parents was, are alive. Yeah. So it was really... um very compact what Alan Moore does here but you get the I mean because as you say you know 
we all know what's coming here with Batman, so there's no need to really get into it. And I think it does enough here, um, Alan Moore. Um, so obviously his parents don't die. Thomas Wayne saves the day, uh, and that's all you need to know. Well, the other thing is, unlike Superman's vision, Batman's vision is actually perfect. Yeah, yeah. There's no problems. Um, He's happy. He's content. Yeah. Alan Moore puts in just very simple panel. He is content. So there's a big difference here. Superman's never content in this story. Yeah. And and even Robin um, mentions, does he mention it here somewhere? He says something along the lines of, I don't, oh yeah, I don't know if a human body can stand contact with this. So there, there is a marked difference between Superman and Batman. Um, oh yeah, absolutely. They react to this Black Mercy, and and you see Batman is just yeah, this is I'm happy. But funnily enough, as well, Mongol, as strong and as vicious as he is, he seems to have uh, his heart's desire and happy in it. But that could be something to do with his ego as well. Maybe it's. I think strict. yeah, Mongol's super egotistical, and I yeah. think Batman is more emotionally crippled than Superman, because like. Obviously, Superman's sad that Krypton's gone. He thinks it sucks, but he doesn't define his existence around it. Mm. Whereas Batman kind of, he does define his existence around the fact that he's lost his parents. Yeah. So the fact that, like, he gets them back, I think, is more, you know. Yeah, but I mean, I also think that there might be a little something to do with the physiology of Superman. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Yeah. Um, Being far superior. Um, I mean, what are they... At one point, I think I read Superman had super willpower or something, which is like some alien oh, right. thing. Uh, like his mind is more, because it's not human, mm. can experience, or can, I don't know, can process more or something. Uh, kind of like the ending to that Emperor Joker story. Okay. Um, where, you know, everyone else would have went crazy from seeing the end of the universe, but Superman was able to just take it all on his stride. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's how I always kind of think his his mind works as well. Uh, I think I've touched upon it a, a couple of times. I, mean, I think we were doing the Batman Superman reviews. Yeah. Um, and I was saying, you know, Batman's obviously a great detective, but Superman, his mind would be working at superhuman speed. Similar. I, I'd liken it to say that's apparently in the Marvel handbook of the Marvel Universe with Captain America. Uh, peak human um, physicality, but also his mental processes. Okay. A lot quicker. That's why he's a great strategist because he oh. can so many strategies all at once, and he can process it quickly. I'm yeah. assuming that's the same as Superman, but even at even a greater level, he can actually process stuff really. Yeah. Quickly. And so, I think with Superman, it's like it depends on the writer. Yeah. Like of how they use that, because a lot of people will just write him as like a kind of normal yeah. brain, but like you have like the opening of Scott Snyder's Unchained is something like he has ten seconds to stop a tsunami from hitting the city yep. and stop a satellite from crashing into it. And it's so crazy. It's awesome, like, that he just does all this... Like, he thinks super fast and does this all in super speed. Yeah. And he, like, does this crazy thing where he, like, freezes the tidal wave and he does something else to stabilise it and he stops satellite and it's like, wow. Yeah, you I know. like seeing stuff like that because it's not yeah. about just the brawn, but you see... Um, superhuman traits of, of you know just thinking and, and mental yeah. it's, it's really good yeah also Superman Unchained uh, good book Scott Snyder you guys should read it especially if you love late 90s early 2000s sort of stuff yeah 
Uh, it's not. It wasn't written then, but it feels like it. Anyway, um, yeah. So Superman's broken out, and he's pissed. <laughs> really nice panel here. We're talking about colors again, but with yeah. Gibbons draws Superman um, with Robin in the in the foreground. Really, yeah, really stuff. Um, and and, and pull out. Sorry, the the next page as well. With again, when he shouts at Mongol. Oh yeah. It's almost like um, 60s Batman-esque, you know, because <laughs> it's kind of um, curved and, and yeah goes outward. And Robin <laughs> just shielding, oh, man. shielding his ears. It's such a good panel. Yeah. Like, it just puts the force of him yelling, like, sends Robin flying. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Which is, which is another thing of... I love how Robin is so small compared to just all of these titanic figures yeah. running around, and he's just out of his depth. But obviously, he ends up saving the day, which I think is a nice, yeah, you know, um, expected ones. But I love I love this description of like uh, he hears a voice like Armageddon shouting his name. <laughs> so mm-hmm. awesome, yeah. Oh yeah, there's some really good writing here now. Um, coming up with Superman and Mongol fighting. Yeah. Um, yeah, let me just, I'm just quickly scouring it, um, let's see, oh yeah, that's Superman going through the, um, yeah, so anyway, sorry, um, we'll, we'll get to it, but, uh, I like these, the, these, um, parallels, and, and it happened before earlier, with, um, you get, um, three vertical panels, yeah, and three other vertical panels, um, just kind of, it kind of compacts things as well, so you get to see two things at once, yeah. I get the feeling that Superman is moving faster than Robin is putting on these gloves, though. Yeah, yeah exactly. Considering he got it's like 400 miles per hour or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> it slams into him like a steam hammer as big as the world. Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, the way he's describing them is like they're hitting each other with the force of planets. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's the first time you see. I've actually heard Superman. You know, trash talk someone. Get up, you vermin. I thought, oh, shit, there you well, Pretty ticked off. This is, at this point, this is definitely the angriest we've seen Superman, and, like, in the most, in the most visceral sense. Mm. Um, he's been angry since then, but, like, at this point, you know, this is, this is pre-crisis Superman gone berserk. <laughs> like. Yeah. I know, it's very, very aggressive. Yeah. Like, uh, even the next panel, he just says "burn." You know, oh yeah, awesome! That is, yeah, that's his uh, sentiment towards Mongol, and then he just unleashes his heat vision. Um, actually, hurts him. So his heat vision must be stronger than that that gun that Wonder Woman used. And I love how like Mongols scream, like Robin can hear it. Yeah, like he's yeah, probably that's... just hearing all this crap going on in the background. <laughs> Yeah, but it's no slot on him as well. He's got to deal with his weird black mercy as well. I, mean, that, I think that'd be just as scary. Yeah, Batman's still out for the count, even though he got the black mercy taken off. Um, probably because that thing looks really nasty for a human being. Mm. Um, but he's fine, spoiler. <laughs> but yeah, like he's aiming at Mongol's heart as well. Yeah. Like he's pretty much setting out to kill him at this point. Um and, yeah, ticked off. Yeah, and then, you know, Robin has his little... He's got his giant Mongol gauntlets on. Mm. 
And, and I love, like, I love how kind of gee whiz Robin is. <laughs> it's so yeah. great. Like, you know, like, this is... It's a pretty dark story, but it has... You know, it has these, like... I don't know. Everyone's still kind of acting like themselves. Mm. If that makes sense. And Robin yeah. is still, like, this plucky... You know... It's such a it is such a weird mix, isn't it? I mean, as we mentioned at the beginning, there's that lightheartedness, and and you, throughout the story, you get this Robin who's, yeah, I mean, way out of his depth, and and yeah. little, as you say, plucky as well. It, it's um it's a strange one because you've got so all the characters, are, well, the main characters are so different. You've got a very angry Superman that you're not used to, no. And you've got this evil, evil guy called Mongol. Um, so it, it really, oh, yeah, it just keeps everything quite interesting. Yeah. Um, so Robin's up signing and then, you know, you insufferable little speck, you hurt me. <laughs> yeah, which is good. I hope so. And I love that these, these, uh, and then Alan Moore goes to town yeah. with these animals, cosmic mm. animals, neon moths. Yeah. What are the other ones? They're like puddles, they just turn to vapour. Yeah, <laughs> They got overexcited. <laughs> Crazy. <laughs> Three sentient, uh, sentient puddles from Minroud 4. Yeah. Evaporating completely because they just got... Leaving a faint odour of gasoline. I mean, this is totally <laughs> random stuff, but it comes from the mind of someone with a, a vast imagination. Yeah. I so, spit uh, out some. I love that line. Yeah. yeah Muscles ship like continental plates. Yeah, that, that was the writing I was referring to earlier. Mm. really starts to... Um, yeah, roiling under a hide of jaundiced leather. It's, um, yeah, really, really, uh, descriptive stuff. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this menagerie is quite funny. So he's got the, the hall of weapons. He's got this zoo. I love the Superman zoo menagerie. Yeah. Um, I just, I love the idea that he takes these, like, endangered species or dangerous species and just keeps them in his fortress. Like, um, Oh, there was something in, was it, uh, All Star, right? He took that. Yeah, the thing eater. that eats suns. Yeah. Yeah, that was cool. Yeah. yeah. And he maybe, just dropped it in somewhere. Maybe we'll do All Star one day. Hmm. Oh, okay. Who knows? <laughs> well, you like Grant Morrison, so. Yeah, I do, do like a bit of Grant Morrison, that's true. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, so. Oh, the Chamber of Archives, a machine with a brain made of light, is counting the distant pulsars within 10 feet of its algebraic reverie, uh, alien engines of fury grind together unnoticed. <laughs> yeah, this is just weirdo stuff. Yeah, it's, it's so, it's so great though, because it's so like alien and grand, yes. you know? <laughs> yeah. Which is what you want. Hmm. And their, their enmity can only be measured in the skipped heartbeats of distant seismographs. Like, that's just like, whoa. <laughs> just really the gun. Oh, yeah. He, he's like, I want to make this an epic confrontation as possible in my descriptions. Like, yeah. It's so, so good. Yeah. Uh, now, the, the one thing I did find a little, uh, and it's a very small thing. Um, is it a quibble? Yeah, yeah, a semi, <laughs> semi, a quasi quibble. Um, it's just when they're fighting, and, and then Superman sees his parents in, in statue form. Yeah. Because um, I, I like how Alan Moore uses. He knows when to not put dialogue in. He lets Dave Gibbons 
do the work, you, you know, so you see more in the action, and you see it throughout the issue. Yeah. Uh, if you didn't have Superman utter Krypton mm. <laughs> um, and just have him look up at the statue, I think that would have been enough, really. I uh, agree, but I do think it shows that Superman is still delirious. Oh, okay, so you think he's confused as to where he is? Um, I think he's thrown by seeing that, like, you know, because it's still kind of real to him. That's yeah, my well, that's my take, though. I know there's also another take, is that that reminds him that he doesn't, like, kill people, because that's where he came from, but... Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, okay. I mean, it's, I mean, it's a small... It won't really change the outcome. Yeah. But um, I, I thought it was more him... If anything, I say I thought it would be more him looking at his parents, and that being the the focal point rather yeah. than as the world. So it just seemed a little, you know. So if if that wasn't there at all, and it just had had him looking at it, you as a reader could mm. connect the dots and go, okay, he's obviously feeling it. Um, what he's just suffered, you know, in the, in his happy place. Uh, but yeah, yeah. This makes him seem more confused. It does, yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah, fair enough. I, I mean, yeah, I think I think it could have worked just as well without text. Mm. Um, but uh, yeah. Uh, so uh, Mongol sucker punches him. <laughs> yeah. yeah, of course. Well, I guess you yeah. can't really call anything a sucker punch in this fight, really, because it's a fight to the death. So yeah, any any which way you can get it, I guess. Yeah, yeah. And Mongol's about to punch him, punch a day Superman. Yeah, and then Robin like. <laughs> Goes almost intelligent, and only drops the plant on. <laughs> drops ah. on city on him. Yeah, oh, what a dis- yeah. You wouldn't want that dropping on you. No, but yeah, it's it's pretty cool. So he immediately, and again, we see the the um, parallel comparisons, the yeah. vertical, um, side by side, which is really good actually because mm. you kind of get a um, a real time of. of Fantasy and reality. Yeah. Um, like, yeah, side by side. So I love the idea of their Mongol evaporating Robin, and then you see on the next panel the same Robin obviously swinging down. Yeah. Um, you kind of, so you can relate it straight to each other. Um, and then this, this, I mean, again, from the writing, and then he rips the Kryptonian's head from his shot, <laughs> laughing at the way the eyes roll for long seconds after death. So you get almost a, a little bit of a description, a graphic description of the ferocity that he has. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so this just adds to Mongols, I don't know, he's, he's a one one supervillain, you know, for me. Yeah. Us. Is, he, is he your favourite supervillain of Superman? Uh, or is it still sexy he, Lex? He, he's up there. No, I mean, yeah, Lex is Lex is pretty good. He's up there. I do like that cosmic golem. <laughs> uh, he, the galactic golem was awesome, golem. and it should yeah. be used more. Like it's a yeah. cool design. It is cool. I want to see him in that. You showed me that panel of the modern. Uh, yeah, the, I think that's in At Worlds at War. Yeah, he's probably not a very good villain, but anyway, we'll see. Uh, I can't but, remember who was telling me to read At Worlds at War. I think. It was Dave. I think he said something about about it. I don't think he's read it though. But um, yeah, I think it's like a really large scale Superman event. Yeah. But I've heard mixed things about it. But um, 
you know, yeah. might be cool. I don't know. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I love Mongol holding up this pike oh, with yeah. uh, Superman's head on it. You don't see Superman's head. Because, no. like, you know, this isn't a gory comic, but, um... Yeah. Yeah. And you see corpses, silhouettes of corpses at his feet, You though. do. Yeah, it, it's effective. It's very effective. In fact, maybe even, you know, like, it doesn't need to show it. No, no. To make it effective. And again, the colours, the deep reds. Oh yeah, the colours are so good. All the all the like pinks, yep, and purples in this issue, the blues, like they're really great. Very good, I must say. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, so, so Mongols incapacitated. He's he's yeah. just leaning up against the wall. He's like a, a doorstop now. <laughs> yeah, that's what yeah. Superman should do. He should make him like a doorstop or a doormat or something. Um, yeah. And, and it's funny, I yeah. like it. See Robin just kind of looking at him and, and like um, kind of joking at him. Like, Mongol looks like he's having a pretty good time, um, <laughs> and he just kind of fascinated this this huge behemoth. I mean, um, this is this is uh, Robin's first cosmic romp, I guess. Yeah, um, yeah. But, and, and, and the humor doesn't end here as well. Again, this little last thing with the the bottle of um, candor. Um, uh, I absolutely love this. <laughs> yeah, but it's done in a very Superman way. Like, uh, abs- you know, it's it's golden. It's so good. Yeah, it's a little you know it's it's, it's tropey about someone getting someone a gift, and but the way Superman handles it is only he is uh, only he can like he handles. Yeah, he it. does the super super speed thing, so she doesn't know that. But I love how he yeah, I already said it's tropey. Like you get someone a gift and you can't give them anything. Because they have, they always have everything. But it's, yeah. I just find it so funny that Superman, like, this is the one gift where it's like, surely he doesn't have this. But mm. no, he's actually built himself a replica of yeah. Kandor. Like, where does he get the time to do this? Actually, <laughs> that, that did happen in an issue, and another alien race moved in there, which is pretty funny. Yeah, well, I mean, it just reinforces the title of the, the yeah. man who has everything. So it's a pretty funny, a funny thing, because... He, do, he literally does even this thing that I love his reaction to seeing the um, bottle when she unwraps it. I would have always wanted. Like, uh, it's just his face is like, um. oh yeah, a little, a little, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, and then Batman tries to uh, save face by going, look, I did get you a flower, but uh, he got stepped on. It's pretty dead now. <laughs> like, don't worry about it. Perhaps it's for the best. Which brings us back to a bit of a somber tone. Yeah. Um, I guess he doesn't want a reminder. But it's so symbolic of, of many things, right? I mean, mm. it, uh, it's a comparison to the Black Mercy as well. Uh, because yeah, it's all this a plant, yeah. Stuff. Yeah, so there's that. So Alan Moore does that, but it also connects to what he went through yeah. in Krypton, um, and it's symbolic with that as well. So... Um, he's a Batman. That gift went wrong, didn't it? <laughs> oh, man. He should have just gotten him a bat themed present. Well, you know? Superman like anti plants now. Yeah, he does. He hates plants. He just starts burning the forests. Like, <laughs> um, yeah, and and then so it seemingly ends here. And I love. Oh, it. can I just briefly Wait, talk sorry. about Superman dropping Mongol in a black hole? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, that was pretty funny. Um, it says it so nonchalantly, that, and with a smile on his face. It's, um... I mean, screw Mongol at this point. Like, 
Oh man, he'd, I mean, it'd still be angry at him for sure. Even though he's, be, he's defeated, mm. it's like, I do want not want anything to do with this guy. This guy is bad news. I don't know what the state of the Phantom Zone projector was, but I'm surprised he actually people escape from it all the time, so maybe don't put him in that. Um, huh. Well, yeah. the way he's in this issue, you wouldn't because he'd find a way out. Yeah, yeah, he's um. Pretty determined to stick it to Superman. <laughs> yeah. And so it seemingly ends here. I love it again because it, it is kind of like uh, what you see on like, you know, TV shows and stuff. They're all kind of walking away together, arm in arm, yeah, hands on shoulders, okay, and making a little joke. Who wants to make the coffee? Or like, like, <laughs> yeah, and they all laugh. And, and then you have Mongol in the foreground, but then you still get a little bit more mm. at the end. And it's quite um, unsettling, let's yeah. just say. Yeah. So you have some cool things here. In the first panel, you have, like, Hawkman and Hawkgirl on the ground. Didn't notice that. Yeah, right. I only just noticed it then. And then you have... Man, some of the dog as well, like, an insatiable virus. He sweeps out across the universe and his enemies are dust beneath his feet. Yeah. Suns shudder at his coming. The great power of the cosmos kneel before him and kiss his fingertips. It's so good. Um yeah. And you have Brainiac kneeling to him and kissing his hand. Oh, is that Brainiac? Yeah, with his metal design. Okay. I just thought it was some sort of... Martian Manhunter off to the left. Uh, I believe that's Adam Strange. And all these other people are people, but I just don't recognise them. Um, But in the back corner there, the orange faces, that's Alan Moore and Dave Gibbons. Oh, right, cool. Yeah, they're given sort of glasses, Alan Moore, with the, you know, hair and beard. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I thought that was pretty cool. Um, well, I didn't, yeah, didn't pick that up. That's good. And we get the war world just destroying planets. Yeah, and, and then ending with, yeah, again, uh, revisit to he is content, but that very malevolent face. Yeah, and he's content by hearing, like, screams of the dying and stuff. It's like... Mm. God, this guy's a jerk. He's so evil. Like he's <laughs> it is evil, but it, and it really unsettles you. But it kind of makes it you does. grateful that he is in his place. Like as long as he's not in the real world, you know, it's terrible what he's thinking now. But geez, just keep him here, where, where wherever he is, just keep him sedated. Like they make him unsettling in his evilness, even though it's ridiculously evil. Like that, he just seems yeah. So he, this is the, to me, this is my favorite iteration of Mongol. And and you mentioned, yeah. is he my favorite villain? Uh, if he was, if he was written like this consistently, then ab- absolutely. Uh, the other a couple of ones that we've read of him, largely ineffective. You, you know, his his character. There's the one in the 90s where he escapes that prison. Yeah, that that, that was bad. Not the issue, but Mongol. Mongol was pretty easy to to um. Uh, Kyle Rayner right beats him. Yeah, not that he's not that he's a lightweight, but but he's a newbie Green Lantern. Yeah, you know, like but he's meant to have this inherent, isn't he? Meant to have this inherent skill at wielding the ring or something. Yeah, but still, comparing yeah. that Mongol to this Mongol, like oh, that yeah. that wouldn't have happened with this Mongol. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 So this is my this is my favorite uh, version of Mongol, and yeah. if he was like this, yeah, he would be up there totally. Yeah. Um, yeah, I do like pre-crisis Mongol. I like him in the other pre-crisis stories. Though, where he's in the the cube or whatever. Mm-hmm. His head, like he's you know, he's not as menacing in yeah. those. But I guess 
this is after Mongols had enough. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that's the issue. Um, oh, it also has an animated adaptation. Uh, Does it? No. Justice, Justice League Unlimited. It's not as good. Okay. Obviously. Um, but it does have some good moments. Is it quite accurate or? Uh, it's, it's swiddled a bit. So, one of the things that annoy me with the change is Superman starts, Superman breaks out of the thing after Batman starts pulling on the Black Mercy oh. instead of Superman always kind of being aware that he's in a nightmare world. Oh, okay. So oh. as Batman pulls on it, he starts seeing stuff as opposed to this where he was already right. like that. I think this had a lot more depth and stuff, but like it was adapted for a kid's cartoon. Yeah, so yeah, you got to yeah. make it a little bit more obvious. Yeah. For the cartoon. Yeah. Um, it had cool things like the moment he snaps out of it, Krypton blows up again, which oh. I thought was cool. Okay. Um, and his speech to Van is actually a little bit longer. Oh, yeah, that would be, if anything, that would have been good rather, because that was just a page, really, less than a page. Yeah, in the show, he's like, I held you in my arms, blah, 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 yeah. I watched you grow up and stuff, but in this, so it's a bit longer than we got in this. Yeah, that's quite an important scene, I think. Yeah, it, it's good. Um, I just don't think it's anywhere near as good as this, yeah. but, like, it's it's still good, it's just hard because this is such a, like, good story. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's the only story that Alan Moore gave his approval to adapt, Okay. Because uh, he didn't give his approval for DC to adapt Watchmen or anything, but he did give his approval for them to make this into a cartoon. Oh, right. Um, yeah. Yeah. And it works. It, it, you know, as I said, not as good, but it, like, it doesn't have some of the sinister stuff, but, you know, it, it's worth watching. It's like 20 minutes, um, <laughs> you know, but yeah. Uh, anyway, I like this issue. I thought it was pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. Are we going to rate this or? Yeah, so we forgot. So let's rate it, um, Black Mercies, I guess, is the most appropriate. Right. Um, you go first. What would you, what would you I'm like? always going first. You go first. Really? Yeah. Oh. Pretty sure I went first the past two times. Okay. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> um, okay, well, I'd give this a, um, I'd give this a solid, I'd say an eight and a half. Nice. Out of, uh, ten Mer- Black Mercies. Um, so it's definitely up there. I can definitely see myself rereading this um, as well. Uh, the, the main things, basically what we discussed, it's a nice, compact, um, it's long enough to, to, to flesh out the story. Yeah. There's so many great components to it, like the Superman's Krypton, you know, mind, what do you call happy place? Um, you have you have a few more of the characters as well, but like Batman, Robin, Wonder Woman, but they don't overtake, you know, the story. No, they don't. They they stay supporting characters. They stay exactly supporting characters. You got this awesome villain in Mongol. Uh, the colors, you know, the art is really good. So there's a lot to it here, which um is is a, there's a lot to love with this, and and I can see why this is one of the, you know. What's it? Why came second? Was it in the in the Kirby Awards? Yeah, um, it was it was nominated. <laughs> it was nominated. Yeah, yeah. It, the reason for that. I mean, it's it just really well told. Um, great ideas in it. So yeah, um, and, and it's a lot more deeper than you know as we've discussed. I don't want to rehash what we've discussed, but um, yeah. there's a lot of depth to it. So um, very good indeed. Yeah. Uh, how about yourself, Connor? What would you give this? Well, I'm glad to hear that it got a high score from you, Ray. Mm-hmm. Quite pleased. It's uh, 
8.5 is pretty high for you on this, so... Yeah, because my marking system is... I'm trying to be quite strict, as I've mentioned, so 8.5, yeah, I'm happy with that. Now, ironically, these past two issues are a bit less strict. Um, so, as I said, it's, you know... I appreciate it even more after reading that Silver Age story, which I read a while ago. Uh, in fact, um, Abe Gibbons himself pointed me on to that, because he said he was inspired by that story... Oh, right, yeah, nice. When he drew this. So was Alan Moore. Um, so, I mean, second favourite Superman story of all time, like, objectively, I'd give it, like, I don't know, like a 9, 9.5, but I'm just going to give this a 10. Nice. my stamp of approval. Yes, that is two 10s, two <laughs> weeks in a row. Um, <laughs> but what can I say? Like, I'm not surprised. This is one of my favourite, like, comics of all time, period. So, you know... Uh, I love it. Yeah, exactly. Where do you go if it is your one of your favourites, top tier? I mean, where do you go? So it has to be at the top. Yeah, exactly. I mean, second favourite Superman story, period. Like, yeah. only one story, you know? And there's lots of Superman. So, mm. um, it, for me, it's just it's a perfect storm. Uh, the artwork is fantastic. The colouring is fantastic. All the inking uh, is just so, so good. I love his artwork. I love the writing mm-hmm. as well. Um, some of the pros as they're fighting and stuff, every bit in Krypton I really, really love. Uh, I mean, yeah. And I, I love this era as well of Superman. I love, like, you know, the Bronze Age and the pre-crisis Superman. And I love, uh, you know, one, one of the reasons I love Superman. One of the more relatable things I find is, you know, Superman's just, uh, alienation. Isolation from everything else, like his kind of uh, loneliness, uniqueness, and this is one of those stories that really highlights that as well. Yeah. And it's a story I can recommend to new readers new to Superman as well, um, because I think it's a pretty good introduction like to what goes on in his head, to mm-hmm. show him as a character. Yeah. Because, you know, there has been complaints that Superman's bland, so... Um, this is like, I think a good story to kind of dispel that if people are wary of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've like recommended it before. It's always been a hit. So, um, yeah, I had another point. I got, oh yeah. And I think even new readers, you could just get them to read it by saying it's written by Alan Moore. If they're not used to reading old comics. So yeah. <laughs> is such a big name, and and Gibbons as well. Let's not forget his his art is good. Yeah, I mean it's the same team that did Watchmen, so yeah, that as well. So he's got notoriety. Yeah, um, but yeah, no, I I love this story. I've talked about it a lot. In fact, I just talked about how much I love it too much. But I mean, that's better than me talking about how much I hate something, right? So <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Uh, but we have some listener feedback. Yute. Huzzah! So, let's go to Twitter first. Okay. So, I'm on the Iron Fist Twitter account. Excellent. Uh, go on to LSK, because we did get, um... Okay. Uh, come on. Okay, David Grant Lloyd on Twitter says, One of the best Superman stories ever told. Thanks, Dave. And thanks for following me on Goodreads as well. 
that's a white piece. Let's see what I'm reading. So, and uh, did you want to read out any or? Um, oh no, you've got them on hand at the moment. Yeah. How about you go for it? Yeah. All right. So, uh, Robert Reinecke, our friend from the ah, Swap Thing sweet. podcast. Yes. Which I believe is wrapping up soon or has already wrapped up. I'll have to check. Uh, I'll put it in the show notes. Oh, really? Oh. Because they're only doing the Alan Moore runs. So. Yeah, of course. Well, I just saw their latest episode was called Finale or something. Right. So, yeah. But uh, he writes, This really is on the short list of best Superman stories ever. It has a clever threat that preys on deep desires. Alan Moore and Dave Gibbons are at the top of their craft and it's deeply satisfying. It's also the best Jason Todd story. More in this vein and people wouldn't have been voting for him to die a few years later. Uh, thanks, Robert. Uh, yep, it's definitely on my short list of best Superman stories ever. Um, obviously, uh, yeah, yeah. No, no. Thank you for the feedback. Um, uh, it's, it is. Uh, yeah, I, I do really enjoy this. Um, yeah, <laughs> when Alan was, I didn't want to say, uh, you know, his Swamp Thing is, which is good as well. I much prefer this over the Swamp Thing. Yeah. You you did give uh, Swamp Thing a lukewarm seven. <laughs> yeah, I did. <laughs> we were all like, yes, nine, ten, and raise. Like, oh, <laughs> you feel, yeah. At least yeah. you didn't succumb to peer pressure. Yeah, I know. So, I mean, you know, it's got to be honest with myself. Um, oh, look, this this story. I feel like this story is much better than that. Mm, um, it's just to me. It, it just I, don't know, I just found it tighter. And, it, it is tighter. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the other one was kind of a weird like, short story. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't, like, a real... But it, it wasn't uh, 40 pages as well, though. So you No, it wasn't. Maybe Alan Moore, he had a bit more scope with this one, and, and you know, that's what you need, because it is hard to compact things, so... Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, I've got the um, thing open. Um, should I take the next one, James Young? Yeah, yeah, sure. Yep. So this one's from James Young. A big shout-out to James. Uh, like Kingdom Come, this is one that I read uh, reread often, and not simply because it's an exquisitely crafted tale by Moore and Gibbons, but because it's an exquisitely crafted tale which stands the test of time. I'd have to agree. Uh, put bluntly, it's just damn good. Annual 11 is one of my top favourite Superman comics. I'm eager to hear what the last sons have to say about it. Well, um, I'm hoping that you've enjoyed our review, James, uh, and I'm hoping that our uh, reactions to the issue have uh, appeased you <laughs> as well. Yeah. Uh, we're all on the same page, it seems. So, yeah. So, thanks for writing in. Yeah. I mean, this is this is one of the stories that really... Because I've always loved Superman, but, like, in terms of comic reading, this is one of the stories that really got me into Superman comics. Mm. This is, like, a one of the first few stories I read, and this was... When I read this, I was like, whoa. <laughs> yeah. So, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, I'm a whippersnapper. I wasn't 20 when it was 1985. I'm sorry. <laughs> I read this a bit late. Um, but, uh, and then we get, uh, Armando Andre, uh, Uloa. Man, I am sorry if I butchered your name there. Uh, forgive me. I'm sorry. But, you know, you do support us and I appreciate that. But, uh, yeah, uh, he says, I loved it. It was one of the first Superman stories I read. Yeah. Oh, yep. what, what, what a good one to read first, first off. Yeah, no, it's awesome. Um, and I, I read it in my car today, actually. I was right. just parked and it was raining too heavy. I don't want to go outside. 
Mm-hmm. So I just pretty much parked there and read it, and it was a very comfortable read. Oh, good. With the rain against the windshield. Yeah. Yep, so uh, this was actually a request by Noel Tate, uh, despite the fact that this is, like, that I just drool over this story. Um, this wasn't actually my idea, so... <laughs> That's right, and and a shout out to Noel as well. Yeah, we yeah. finally got around to it. I mean, we have we have a back catalogue of um, requests and, and things that we have planned in the works, so we are getting through them, yeah. uh, uh, slowly but surely. But uh, yeah, so I'm hope we've we've come through with uh, a nice review there for you, Noel, as well. Yeah. Um, as for what's next, so uh, Ray, when do you want to do one of your Ray's random? Because I'm up. Yeah. Any time suits me. So we can do that next, or we can do something else. Um, okay, L- let's go for a raise random. So listeners, right. I, we're just talking about uh, this off-air. Uh, just since I am, you know, still tagged as the newbie, I thought it would be fun to just not having much knowledge with a lot of the issues and, you know, the story arcs and stuff, so I'm going to choose one myself. Um, it may be good, it may be bad. We'll find out, okay? Mm. Uh, and and I'd be interested to actually, I'd be interested to hear Connor's views on it because uh, I know your views on a lot of the the, the major arcs, Connor, yeah. and big stories. It'd be interesting to see just literally random, and and there are so many issues to choose from. So. Um, yeah, so the stories are, are plenty. Look, uh, there is 80 years. There's a decent chance that what you choose I will not have read. So, uh, you know. Well, that'd be great then. So, again, another nice to keep things fresh, something different. Yeah. Uh, and uh, once I figure out what it is, uh, we'll put up a discussion thread so you'll get to know what it is. And uh, and maybe it's your first time to read it as well. Um, yeah. Super fans, and it'll be interesting to hear what you you think of it. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, yeah, good times coming up ahead. We'll have a nice random issue mm-hmm. next episode. Uh, in the distant future or, you know, in the near future, whatever, uh, these other things currently on the short list yep. is Superman Red Sun coming at some point, and we still have our smattering oh. of comics that we'll be covering on the road to... Man of Steel, yeah. and then we'll be covering Man of Steel itself, and we also have uh, requests, which we'll still go through. I can't remember them off the top of my head, but uh, there was a couple from Phil, mm-hmm. and some raised randoms, if we feel like it. Yep, sure. Whenever. And, uh, yeah, whatever yeah. we feel like as well. So Yeah, for sure. So the, a big year ahead. Um, this is the year of the Man of Steel. Yes. That's, that's the big one. The road to the Man of Steel as well. That's going to uh, that will take some time, and it'll be good primer. For, I mean, you know, if you're listening to this podcast, you've most likely listened, watched The Man of Steel as well. But in case you haven't, it would be good to get a bit of a backstory. Yeah, and to connect to the comics. Yeah, because there is there is very strong comic influences in Man of Steel. Um, you know, love or hate the movie. Fair warning, I will be gushing over it. So, not all of it, though. I realise it is not a perfect movie. Um, but it's a while away. So, mm-hmm. you know. Until next time, uh, we'll have a nice random comic that Ray will choose that hopefully won't be horrible. Or if it is horrible, hopefully it'll be horrible in an entertaining way. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, looking looking forward to it. Um, 
yeah, but uh, in the meantime, I guess just choose your flowers carefully if you go to the florist. Just make sure none of them have, uh, you know, lapping red tongues and uh, and tendrils. I could not give better advice. <laughs> yeah. No? Uh, Good stuff. Until next time. Yeah, what, what Ray of the House of Zod said. Yes. Um, I, we are content. We are content. <laughs> Superman and all other characters in these comics are properties of DC. Any images or music we use are properties of their respective copyright holders. We are doing this for fun and not making money off it, so please don't sue us. You can contact us at lskpodcast at gmail.com and find us on our Libsyn, lskpodcast.libsyn.com. Our Twitter, at lskpodcast. Our Facebook page, Last Sons of Krypton, a Superman podcast. And last but not least... Thank you everyone for listening.